You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Happy Wednesday, Rubyists. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Elise Schaefer. My pronouns are she, her. And today I'm joined by Kaya Santro, who uses she, her pronouns. Kaya has been working as a Ruby developer since 2017. She's based in Berlin, where she's from. And she used to organize Rails Girls Berlin, which was a local meetup, and is an active member in the Ruby user group Berlin, which is awesome. I love the like the acronym for that. It's Rugby. And she's also the Slack administrator for WNBRB, which is a group for women and non-binary Rubyists. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks for having me. So I thought maybe we could start a little bit with Rails Girls Berlin. So you had organized this group for women in Rails in Berlin. Can you talk a little bit about sort of your history there and like kind of how that was like? So first of all, I wasn't the only organizer. (laughs) We were a group of people. And so my history there was I started out as an attendee of a Ruby on Rails workshop for beginners. And then later on, when I was starting to become active member in the community and had my first job and so forth, I wanted to give back and started helping out organizing workshops. And yeah, so just to explain a little bit what Rails Girls Berlin, it's a local chapter of a global community. So there was a global Rails Girls community and they wrote guidelines for how to build a local community for women that can teach Ruby on Rails to women with this workshop template that they provided. And it was a super cool thing to have. And we had that chapter in Berlin as well. And we're organizing workshop mainly for women that had no prior experience with coding. Mm -hmm. So this was very much like the entrance into the field. That sounds awesome. It's got to be great to be able to bring more people into the community and especially to bring more women into the community is great. So you're also the Slack administrator, WNBRB. Can you tell us a little bit about WNBRB? Yeah. So first of all, we are already seeing from the name, it's the WNB stands for Women Non-Binary, which I think is a nice progress um, from being called girls in a community. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. This is things that worked out well for a while, but we have grown out of this as well. Any people who are on the spectrum between women or non-binary, basically being also underrepresented in tech, I think, which is the Mm -hmm. main thing here. And then the .rb stands for Ruby. And so this is the intersection of these two groups of people. So women, non-binary, people who are into Ruby, and it's global community that is mainly happening online. We have this amazing meetups online that always have super interesting talks, very great experts that I've seen on there, interesting topics uh, all around Ruby. Yeah. And also it's not just about this talks, but also the whole community thing. So we do also have a Slack space where I'm the administrator of, so where we can talk about different things, but also we do have some local meetups, for example, at conferences or also in some of the cities, there are so many of us that we do meet, for example, in Berlin, we do meet every now and then. I think it's like around every six weeks to two or three months, we do have a drink together and have like awesome conversations. It's really nice. 
Yeah, I think it's really cool to have a global community. I think that that's been something that was a little bit different about WNB from other groups that I had kind of been a member of is that a lot of the groups that I'd been a member in previously were sort of local. So like when I lived in Pittsburgh, there was Pittsburgh Ruby and you would meet once a month for talks and drinks and stuff. But it's really interesting to have a space where we can have women and non-binary folks from all over the world and we can meet and support each other. And yeah, I think the global part of it is kind of a superpower. The fact that we can sort of meet each other and support each other. It's really, really great. There's a lot going on there that I think is really helpful and beneficial to the community. So definitely appreciate it. I also love that in the breakout rooms at online meetups, we can always, first of all, ask the icebreaker question, where are you based at? And it's super interesting what kind of people are thrown together in a breakout room mm -hmm. from different places. And this is super interesting and it gives a lot of new input and it opens up your own bubble a bit, I think. I've missed like the last few meetups. It's been amazing to meet, for example, to meet someone in Berlin or I've met people from Peru or from other European countries. It's been great to meet people from kind of all over the world and to just realize that we're all part of the same community. And it's a very inviting and welcoming community, too, which is really great. And I know for me, it's been awesome to just have a space where I could maybe ask questions that I wouldn't feel comfortable asking in a broader audience. So it's definitely been great for me. And I think other people appreciate it as well. So you are the Slack administrator. How did you come to be the Slack administrator? It was funny surprise for me because I was approached by Gemma Isruf, one of the main organizers of the community. And she was like, hey, you're so awesome and welcoming and nice, always active on Slack. Mm -hmm. We want to give you that role basically and manifest that and also pay you, which is like a big thing, especially in this kind of community organizing. I've also had other experiences where you kind of exploited yourself a lot for no, <laughs> no reward. Yeah. So this was like a great surprise for me because she basically told me like, just keep doing what you're doing. This is amazing. We need that kind of energy on Slack. And yeah, I was a bit surprised in the beginning and was like, this is not actual work. So how do I not feel guilty? if I don't write enough or something and how do mm -hmm. I track the time that I'm using for this because it feels like fun for me it doesn't mm -hmm. feel like work and then she was like well it shouldn't be such a big deal you know like if you need help with that or you can basically figure that out by yourself if you want to and mm -hmm. just tell me how much time you actually need for that yeah so it has been for me just interesting also to see where are the main points on this community where it needs a person to get active and where are the points where the Slack community is already very active and giving it to itself in a natural mm -hmm. way by people commenting a lot, giving a lot of love, giving a lot of advice, helping out. Yeah, I always feel like it's great that I have this role, but it's also great that there's actually already a lot of other people helping out on Slack. Yeah, that's got to make it a lot easier when you have a community where everybody is just so supportive anyways. There's not really a lot of challenges. I mean, I'm sure there are challenges, but you don't have to like babysit people. You know, you can just kind of trust that everybody's going to support each other and everybody's welcoming and nice and kind. What are some of the things that you do as the Slack administrator? 
basically I've been doing things that I thought were important. First of all, I do actually tell a lot of people around me about the Slack community. So when I go to conferences, I'm always reaching out to women and non-binary people around me and saying like, hey, do you already know about the Slack community of women non-binary.rv? This is awesome. This is great. It's like having a big group of friends with you. And so I'm inviting a lot of people, but also then the new joiners, I'm trying to make sure to welcome them and maybe also point them out to channels that could be interesting for them to give them a first step into getting more active. Sometimes it's hard because I don't know what people are interested in and we have so many channels, but usually it's always good to point out that there are channels for local geographical communities so that you can actually see if there are people in your area or in your country or city. And mm -hmm. also if somebody is joining and saying they are looking for a job, can point them to like the job channels or things like that. I was thinking that I would have to somehow enforce the code of conduct on the Slack space. But so far, <laughs> everyone's just so sweet that I haven't had any reason to go and say like, hey, this is our code of conduct. Please make sure you're aware of that. People are very inclusive and nice in general. Yeah, it's been great. I do see you a lot in the Slack space, and I think it is maybe a natural fit for you to take on this role. You do kind of jump in on Anytime I've posted a question, you've been one of the people that's jumped in to like say, hey, yeah, let me go see if I can find this or here's how I would think about it or anything like that. So it's really been great. And I think the space and the community is awesome too. There's so much stuff happening in the WNBRB Slack or just in the community in general that it's kind of maybe a little bit hard to list everything that's going on because like there's so much, right? There's like a book club, there's advice. I think I saw something about trying to get a mentorship program started just seems like there's so much going on and it's got to be both exciting that there's so much going on, but also maybe a little bit how do I get people where they want to go is probably maybe a little bit of a challenge. If you use maybe the metaphor of a garden, you can mm -hmm. either be the gardener who's like super controlling and trying to control every plant, or mm -hmm. you kind of plant your garden in a way that it can organize itself a bit and this little microcosmos of things that can naturally grow and keep itself in check. And I think this is usually a good thing to organize communities in a way to give them the ground to grow on, but make sure that you can also be like hands off at some point and let the magic happen. The other day I was just thinking, should I actually join every channel in our Slack space just because I am the Slack administrator? And then I was thinking, I'm not sure if that's helpful. <laughs> it's like good to know yeah. that the channels that exist, but being in every channel, I'm not sure if that's necessary because I can also easily get overwhelmed if I listen to every conversation. And mm -hmm. yeah, so I'll probably be of better use if I just am in the main channels that are the starting points and then can point people to their individual channels of interests and then be in some of them that are interesting for me. I think there's a little bit of a parallel there too when you're like been doing this for a while now and I end up being like one of the more senior people on teams at places that I work. And there's definitely a difference. I can see parallels to how you think about code reviews. And like, sometimes it's good to put guardrails to prevent someone from making like a big mistake. But also you have to kind of let people maybe make small mistakes where the stakes aren't super high. So like sort of figuring out like when you need to be involved and when you don't need to be involved. It seems like that's like a similar skill set and it's applicable in multiple places. 
Yeah, definitely. When um, you mentioned that there are so many things that are going on in the community, I was just thinking about when I was asked recently what my highlights were this year, I was actually thinking joining the women on binary.rb community in general. There are so many things that came with it. So not just online meetups and the community and role of being the organizer, but also I was getting some sponsorship for conferences when actually I was also laid off from my job this summer. So it was like super helpful to have this community that is kind of work related, but not your job. So I could still go to conferences without having a company that is paying for it by the sponsorships. And then on the conferences, I met so many amazing women. And I would say that one of them who's also based in Berlin, she actually became like one of my friends now. <laughs> and it's not so easy to find really good friends. And I would say yeah. that this is like a big gift that I appreciate so much. Yeah. And then also just in general, so many cool things that happened through this community. Totally agree. Like I have made so many friends within the WNBRB community. That's been really like one of those stronger highlights, I would say. I think it's been good, especially because I've made friends at conferences and stuff. And like, it's great to have a community where it just seems like you just belong in the community, you know, like it's probably one of the highlights I would say of my sort of experience in the Ruby community is finding WNB. So most of the people that I've talked to from WNBRB feel the same way. Everybody just kind of loves the space and loves the community. And I have very similar experiences of like meeting people who then ended up becoming really good friends, even meeting people who are not in Colorado, just meeting people who are in Seattle or San Diego or New York or whatever. But just being able to like meet and kind of bond over Ruby. But then I'm pretty good friends with Emily, for example. We're both fantasy readers. So we both read fantasy books. And so like having someone to share that with, having people who come to add on Strava for like cycling and stuff. It's been cool. You like meet people in this work related community, but then you find you have all of these other interests. And so I agree with that 100%. Have there been any challenges with running the Slack space? Not really. <laughs> I think it's really... It's a very easy community to manage. And I would say that they had one question where I didn't know what to answer because I think it was a person asking about accessibility on websites. And for me, that was like, oh, yeah, we had a talk about it at one of our meetups. And then I was trying to figure out where to find the slides and the recording of the talk. And I couldn't find it back then. And mm -hmm. I think that was like the only time where I felt like I didn't really know. So I couldn't fully answer the question to my satisfaction. But then I think there was like this meetups page on our website where they started putting the recordings in a chronological way. And I was like, oh, this is great. Now we can actually find the recordings of the meetups. Maybe one other thing was also that one of the women in Berlin approached me and asked if anyone was allowed to suggest a place for a local meetup or if that was my job. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, you could totally just suggest a meetup. I told her the procedure and how to ask people if they want to meet up. I was like, you don't have to be like any special person to do that. <laughs> you can just go ahead and suggest a meetup. I was feeling a bit like, oh, maybe me being super active is sometimes also not good because then people think that they have to wait for me to organize something. 
it's better to encourage people to do the same by just not doing it and also telling them, hey, it's also okay if you do that. Yeah, I think sometimes people just need a little bit of empowerment to take on something. Like someone might have an idea for something they want to do or they want to see, but not feel like they're maybe allowed to. I think sometimes people just need someone to say, yeah, it's totally okay. And that's also a good part of the job, I would say, is that you are in a position to be the person that tells people, yeah, you can do that. That's a good idea. Also, you did end up pointing me in a pretty good direction. So don't feel too bad about the accessibility question. I ended up getting my answers and getting what I needed. And it did help out a lot because I redesigned my website. And then I was able to fix basically all of the accessibility issues that I had on my website. I looked at your website and I hadn't seen the old version, so I can't really compare it. But like for me, Mm -hmm. your new website was so clear and everything was so easy to find. I'm not using any accessibility tools, though, like Reader for the browser or anything. So I can't really give my input on that. But for a person who's like visually easily overwhelmed, (laughs) it was very accessible. So yeah. So the old version was also kind of similar in that regard. Like that was the one thing when I was looking at doing the redesign for the site, I was sending the old version of the site to like friends and saying like, hey, what's some feedback you have on the site? What's something that you think I should keep or change or whatever? And basically everyone that I sent it to was like, it's really simple. You should keep that. Don't make it too complicated. That was like in my head of, okay, keep everything simple. Keep it easy to navigate. And like, yes, I was very happy that when I created the new version, people felt the same way about it, that it was like easy. So I appreciate that feedback. Thank you. That was like (laughs) kind of what I was hoping for and going for. So maybe in terms of challenges, it seems like things have mostly been pretty good. Is there anything that you thought would be more difficult that turned out to be super easy? Yeah, the code of conduct thing, because I've seen other forums and communities needing a lot of work there. So I was thinking maybe that's going to be harder. I think also with the time management, it was way easier than what I thought. So I'm not really tracking the time precisely. I'm just like looking that being as much of help as I can with the time capacity that I have. And it turns out to be a good middle or as say in Germany, the golden middle. (laughs) And yeah, so I would say that has been kind of working out itself without me having to think about it so much. So that was good. For example, for me, when I was taking over the podcast, there were a lot of things that I thought were going to be really hard that ended up being like pretty easy once I got into it. And I think that can sometimes be a thing that happens early on when you're looking at taking on something new. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that a little bit of thinking things are going to be difficult and then finding out, oh, no, this is actually really just easy. And it's much easier than I thought it would be and not that big of a deal. So you've kind of talked about empowering people to take on things or start local groups and stuff. Do you have any advice for people for volunteering or people who maybe want to get involved in the community for how maybe they could get more involved or take on some of those things? Basically, the best way to always get into something is if you have an intrinsic motivation, right? So if you have a problem to solve and you want other people to join to solve the problem, reach out with that, search for the best channel and try to explain your problem and then see if there are any other people like interested in communicating about this. One example is the advent of code. If you're interested in solving some of the puzzles, there's the advent of code channel and then just ask a question there. (laughs) Yeah. And then things will naturally follow up. 
Or I think this mentoring channel, for example, was also because there were people asking, like, I need some mentoring. Who knows if there's mentorship here? And then I was like, okay, let's create a channel for it and talk there because there might be more people interested in it. So far, there hasn't been much activity there, but I think that's going to change soon. We need to see if we can maybe find out who wants to be mentoring and who wants to be mentored in some Mm -hmm. way or the other. Yeah, and volunteering in general should come from the intrinsic motivation of I have something to talk about and here it is and please join the conversation. Yeah, it's always also good to make sure that you present your problem in a very inclusive way and in a nice way. Also, maybe if you ask more open questions, you will get maybe a bigger variety of answers that you didn't expect. Yeah, if you are very closing the questions already to the answer that you expect, then you will not get a big variety of inspiration. I think these are some of the tips. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming on the show. This has been a great conversation. And thanks for telling us all about WNBRB and what it's like to be the Slack administrator there. This has been the Ruby on Rails podcast. It was a pleasure talking with Kaya. If you're a woman or non-binary person in the Ruby community and want to learn more, head over to wnb-rb.dev to learn more. We're starting something new on the podcast. We'd love to hear from you. If you have a comment on this episode, send an email to comments, that's plural, comments with an S, at therubyonrailspodcast.com. You can send text in the email or you can record using voice memos or Google Recorder on your phone and we'll respond to some of those in a future show. Thanks to Paul, our wonderful editor over at Peachtree Sound for making us sound like professionals. And thank you for listening. You're a gem. You've been listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded to stay in the loop on Ruby on Rails and open source software. While you're at it, please leave us a review. And thank you for listening.